Welcome to This Week in Guided Pathways in Schools. This podcast will bring you up to date on Guided Pathways and the schools at MCC a few minutes at a time. I'm Jessica Wilkie, Schools Implementation Lead at MCC. And I'm Amanda Rampey, Technical Assistant for Schools and Pathways. Each week, or week-ish, we'll bring you information, explanations, interviews, and recaps of developments at MCC and in the larger community college world. One thing we would really like to cover are your questions. You can send questions about Guided Pathways or the schools at MCC to schools at monroecc.edu. We will answer all questions either via email or on this podcast. So we're here today talking to Kimberly Collins about how we use data at MCC to inform our Guided Pathways work. How we use data to get to know our students. And how faculty can get some insights from our data. Okay, Kimberly, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. So before we get started with our trivia questions, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be known as a data wonk here at MCC, and also a little bit about your involvement in Guided Pathways? Sure. Um, Well, the short answer for data is that institutional research reports to me, but I've always been very focused on data and using data for decision-making. I also have the honor of leading the Civitas project, which is predictive analytics at your fingertips. And there's just so much data in that tool that we can't even get through it all. So I led the first group through their data trainings and now their data use and just launched a second group on their data training. And that group is focused more on course information at this point. In terms of the schools, I've been a part of the leadership since we started with Guided Pathways and Roadmaps, but I was not the lead until you came on as school's implementation lead. It's exciting to look back because progress is so slow and so small Mm -hmm. that you have to stop every week, every month, every year and look back and say, wow, I can't believe we did all of that. So I understand uh, you have uh, some little pieces of trivia for our, our listeners there about some data points. Yeah, when I talk to people about data, I like to first point out um, assumptions they have about certain kinds of data because that motivates them to get more engaged and, and look up data when they're thinking about questions that they have. So the question I have for everyone today is, what percent of students come in fully program ready? And what I mean by that is, they are not placed into any non-credit coursework. So that includes TRS courses, but it also includes Math 098, 096. Um, So let's give everyone a second to think about that. Okay, so fully program ready. Okay, so everybody has the number they're thinking of. Uh, Kimberly, what is that percent of students? How many MCC students come in fully program ready? So that percent is only 15%. Wow. Wow. So I think that's really important when we talk about guided pathways and things like that. When we look at the semester sequences we have for our programs, we tend to lay those out in four semester sequences. And so that means the four semester sequences at most only apply to 15% of our students. 
Correct. Now, um, we also have transfer students. Sure. So, so every time we talk about data, I always have to throw in the, the variance on that. But yes. So this speaks to how important the Pathways Extensions project is. Regardless of where those are displayed, in order to do what Pillar 1 of Guided Pathways says, clarify the pathways for every student, it's not enough to say, or it's not even close to enough to say, well, we have four semester sequences for every program, because Correct. that is not clarifying the path for the majority of our students. Exactly. So 85% of our first-time students uh, have to take some kind of non-credit coursework, and then it also applies to um, transfer students. They might have part of that four-term sequence right. done, so we have to be really careful that in that before the first term, ideally, we have that individual student's path laid out and documented for them beginning and for their end. advisors, beginning to end. Okay, so one of the KPIs we measure to measure progress with guided pathways reforms, or really any kind of reform, it speaks to just that first data point. The students who complete college-level English, students who complete college-level math, and students who complete both of those in their first term or their first year. Another KPI we measure, which is key performance indicator, is the percentage of students who graduate in the projected two-year time frame. And we also extend that out to three years and beyond that to figure out how well we're doing with graduation rates. Right. Um, so when we look at graduation rates and community colleges have one-year certificates, two-year degrees, you go first to how many of our students are graduating within two years. And for MCC, that number hovers in the low teens. But we know that a lot of our students either go part-time or they start with some non-credit coursework. So nationally, we benchmark with other colleges off our three-year rate. Okay. And our three-year graduation rate is in the low 20%, which is better than <laughs> um, in the low teens. Um, because it, it doubles it. You, you can see that our students need that extra year. And four-year schools, too, when they benchmark, they benchmark at 150% of what you think. Oh, okay, so that's six years time. for them. That's six years for them, right. Um, and then MCC also looks at our four-year graduation rate, and that is around 25%. But what I like to point people to is that community colleges, students who matriculate, we assume that they want to graduate with an MCC degree. And life happens for community college students who are full-time parents, who have full-time jobs, and some of them accelerate to their transfer degree. So we, we look at a success measure as well. And in this success measure, we look at the percent of students who after three years have graduated, they're persisting, so they're still at MCC or they have transferred. And their R rate for that is 46%. Oh, that's, that's better. And so if you think of the community college mission and, and who we're serving, that is, that is a number to, to track more closely. Yeah, that's a more realistic definition of success for our students. Right. So uh, let's talk about uh, some of the uses for data. Um, when we talk about guided pathways, um, part of the challenge to seeing how we're doing with guided pathways is that these reforms take time 
and we don't necessarily have that time to wait to get data back on things like graduation rates to see how that is doing. Um, what's the solution to that in terms of what kinds of things can we track right now to see how Guided Pathways is impacting our students? That's a good question because, as I said, at, at a community college, students take longer paths. We have a lot more part-time students than a four-year school would have. But when students enroll in classes, they want to succeed in that class that they enrolled in and paid in. So we look at course success rates. And nationally, when the Guided Pathways colleges are benchmarking against each other, the key performance indicators that they use are credit progression in their first term and the first year of attendance. How many students have earned six or more, 12 or more, or 15 or more um, in the first term? And then in the first year, we look at 15 or more, 24 or more, and 30 or more. And the reason why we look at each of those is because we hope that we're going to see progress in each of those. If we just looked at 30, we would say, why aren't people all becoming full-time students and progressing in the first year? But if we see that more students are completing six credits or more in the first term, then we have a sense of, did our three credit students move to six? You know, how are we moving the needle? If we look at 15 or more in a year, did our part-time students really progress to part-time? But you have to look at every tier and then look at them all together to make sure you're making progress in all of them. And I'm happy to report MCC is making progress in every one of those categories. So, Kimberly, it sounds like you've, you've already started to touch on this a little bit, but um, I'm really interested in learning more about how we use data to inform some decisions we make about how we serve our students. So it sounds like, you know, we've looked at some research that says that, you know, students may do better in these shorter uh, math pathways that are more contextualized. Um, how else does the college look at data to be able to serve our students? One thing that we're doing more of, and which is part of the Guided Pathways model, is that you want to break out your data. So we've looked at our retention data for years, and it's remained fairly flat for years. And what do we try to do? And our actions are often mass messaging to the entire college or creating programs that we hope students will come to. What you need to do is break out the groups of students and the types of students and see what the differences are in their retention. And it isn't enough to say, okay, so maybe women over the age of 50 have much lower retention, so let's create a program and hope they come. No, if it is a program that we know will help them, how can we embed it in their experience? How can we embed it in their, the courses that they're taking? If there's a cohort of older women that we, you know, we used to have the Tuesday, Thursday college, part of that will be this program that's going to be designed for them. Well, certainly a lot of thought has been given to data and a lot of mining of data has already been done to start looking at different 
measures of assessment, but also how to implement and design guided pathways efforts. Where can faculty find data going forward if they want to look into some of these things themselves? Well, we have a great institutional research department at the college, and if you go to their website, there are multiple layers. So the first is the public-facing website. We have a lot of public information that anyone can see, and we also have a lot of data on the student right to know website. But I encourage all employees to at least become familiar with what is on the internal IR website. So you need an employee ID to log in. And if you go through it one day, one weekend, and know it's there, you'll become used to going back there to find data. We often have questions about data like we don't know the answer to it, and we do. It's there, it's updated regularly, and it's, it's good for you to become familiar with that. The, the next piece is we have um, links to iDashboards, and we have college-wide links, and those are things like for the strategic plan, and you can see some of this data visually in terms of what our benchmarks are and our progress towards those. You can also request specific data from IR and there's a research request form, but we have years of people requesting that information. So often, if you just have a project that you're getting into, you can say, I'm interested in how Hispanic women single mothers do in English classes. We might not have that answer, but we might have um, past studies on Hispanic women, single mothers, and it will help you form your research question to get some of those past studies and get the context research. Okay, well, it sounds like institutional research and their websites is where it's at for all of our data. Yeah, 